Let's imagine the not-too-distant future. You feel more in control of your photos than you ever have before. You look forward to the regular creative dates on your calendar. You're moving forward on that project that means so much to you. You are on fire with inspiration, and you are finally scrapbooking consistently. This is not a hypothetical, it's a real-life possibility. And for the first time, I've created a workshop specifically focused on the problem of consistency. It's called Sparked, and I'm excited to share it with you for free. Visit simplescrapper.com sparked to get access to the training and make this possibility your reality. You want to make your habits as easy as possible for you personally. Welcome to Scrapbook Your Way, the show that explores the breadth of ways to be a memory keeper today. I'm your host, Jennifer Wilson, owner of Simple Scrapper and author of The New Rules of Scrapbooking. This is episode 49. In this episode, I'm joined by Kim Edson to reflect on the past month and explore what's up next for January. This is our monthly peek behind the scenes at Simple Scrapper. Hey, Kim, how are you today? I'm doing well, and yourself? I am fantastic. I'm so excited about the second installment, I guess, of our monthly series introducing our audience here to next month's theme. So next month's theme is creative habits, and that's what we'll be diving into today, as well as recapping a little bit of this past month, and of course, sharing some of the things that are on our minds right now. So to kick things off, what's what's new with you since the last time we talked? Well, um, my husband and I, at the beginning of November, maybe mid-November, signed up for this course. It's a free course on a website called Coursera.com and it's called the science of well-being. And I found it through a podcast that Gretchen Rubin had linked up. And basically it is from Yale university and it's a video course. Uh, I think you can pay if you want to get some sort of like certificate of, you know, accomplishment, but for our purposes, it was free and there were weekly video lessons. You can do it self-paced, but we kind of sat down like Every Sunday, we'd sit and watch the the content, and then you basically it was six weeks of teaching content, and then the remaining four weeks you're supposed to apply what you've learned. And a lot of this was not necessarily new to me, but how they presented it and this whole concept of just knowing the information isn't enough; you have to actually apply it has really resonated with me, and I feel like I'm making those changes. So. My kids have Christmas break coming up, and I kind of want to force them to do this course over break. I don't know that they'll be super excited about, but uh, I think it's really a valuable course, and it's been helpful for me. Well, first of all, I think it's super cool that you do this with your husband. What a great way to spend time together, learn, and grow together. That's so awesome. And then, yeah, he go he's ahead. good. Well, it's good to like it creates accountability of some sort, and then yeah, like you said, we could grow together, and it's not just me going off on my crazy tangents. Like he's along for the ride. So that's terrific. Yeah, no, that's when that can happen. That's always it feels good, and it just only you know strength strengthens whatever relationship you're you're growing there. Uh, the other part of this, would you consider this a, a MOOC, a massively open online course? 
Okay, what was that? Have you ever heard of a MOOC? It's a massively open online course. So it's often like, you know, launched by big universities where, was this course free or did you have to pay for it? Nope, it was free. And there, this Coursera.org website has courses from a wide range of universities. Like my daughter really loves ancient Egypt. And so she started a course that was from, I think it was the Penn State, I think is who it's through. So yeah, there's just a huge range of courses. It's not just all like psychology and well-being. It's like history and um, writing and business and all sorts of different things. That is so cool. I love these days the, I don't know, the the openness and the access to education, you know, like from Coursera or Khan Academy or all these different places nowadays that are giving real education online and things that you can trust and allow you to explore. That's more than just, you know, reading Wikipedia entries. (laughs) Yes. Yes, for sure. So for me, you know, it's the holiday season. I'm trying to like keep my head screwed on tight and keep moving on that checklist. So I'm really appreciating just like little simple pleasures. And so I ordered this thing. I'd seen it in a YouTube video and it's a rechargeable lighter. So I'm a person who doesn't really like fire. Like I'm scared of my oven, even though I love to cook. I don't do matches. I don't do regular lighters. I do not want flames near my fingers, but I love candles. And I like, especially this time of year, I like the ambiance and it just, you know, helps to soothe your nerves, nice fragrance. So I ordered this rechargeable and it says it's a plasma lighter and I will include the link in the show notes. It's the coolest thing ever. Some of you may have seen it in my Instagram stories. It, I don't know what it does, but it like creates this little spark and it will light your candles. And it's, you know, like one of those torch lighters, but I kept having to like buy like one a month at least because I was using them so much. And then sometimes they get lost. They get left outside with the grill. And this now I have my own lighter that I will have forever and it's USB rechargeable. So I can just plug it into my computer when I need to recharge it. And I'm just excited about it. It's something, you know, kind of silly, but... You know, sometimes there's cool gadgets that are actually very functional. Well, and it sounds like it's enhancing like your everyday life as well. And it's pretty too. It's like rose gold. So it just like it looks nice on my desk. And yeah, it's just like another fun thing. Yeah, I've never heard of such a thing. And I I don't have a problem with fire. We talked about this in our membership. Um, like we have a wood burning fireplace. Um, and it is like one of my favorite parts about the winter holidays is to build up a fire. But you do need to like watch it and pay attention and be careful. So yes, I could see your hesitancy sometimes, especially with you have cat, a cat. I have cats. It's always like, you know, if they're going to get a little too close to the flame, that can be a concern. Oh yeah. We, so we've lived here for five years now. We've never lit our fireplace. The first year we bought some really pretty real birch logs and they've been sitting in there ever since just as decoration. And uh, yeah, so I don't know. Maybe someday we will. Um, it has a gas starter. So in theory, I could just buy a gas log where I can like turn it on with a key and. <laughs> maybe goals for next year. Yes, I'm working on it. <laughs> so shifting gears to scrapbooking, what is exciting you right now within the scrapbooking world or, you know, creativity as a whole? Okay. So I have two things and I'll try to make it quick. Shannon Manton was a guest on the podcast and we've talked about her a few times. She was also a featured artist in our membership. She is releasing templates, um, that you could use either digitally or hybrid. And I have not purchased and used any yet, but I really, really like her style and 
I'm excited to do so. Yeah, I saw like her year in review, year in review templates where like it asks you these questions and these prompts about your favorites of the year. And I'm like, this is so up my alley. I'm I'm on board with you. Yeah, I've done um, year in review pages for a few years and I don't follow the same template or out, you know, system each year. I just kind of wing it as I go, but I did see those as well. So I will check those out for sure. And then my other item is I got to the point, I'm like I had talked about the evolution of switching to more digital or photo books, and I had these other projects and already going. And so I just basically got to the point where I felt like I was just moving piles around so I could clean under them yeah. every now and then. And I, I didn't really, <laughs> yeah, I didn't know like what was, what was remaining in the projects. And then during Stash Bash, uh, I think it was September, I like cleaned out my closet and I came across some photos that I was just like, I'll just slip these into this album and I'll get to them later. And like I got to the point where I just had, I didn't know what was all going on. And so I took some time last week and kind of went through and made a list. And so basically I'm thinking about it as kind of the Dave Ramsey concept with my scrapbooking. He, my understanding is as far as like getting out of debt, you look at like the smallest debt you have and then you pay that off and then you just kind of build from there until you have eliminated your debt. So I'm using that approach with my scrapbooking. So when we got back from the Simple Scrapper retreat, I like I had a layout that was pretty much completely done. I just had to write three sentences or so of journaling and slap a title on that thing. But, you know, it wasn't done. So that was like my first step. Get that done. And then my second one was like I had pocket page in the works. Well, I had all the bits. I just had to like put them, assemble them and put them into the pocket. So it's kind of the approach of what is like a quick and easy win to get me going. And then I can kind of build on those victories until I've, I guess, reached my accomplishment, which is to complete these in progress works. Or maybe some of them I determine like, you know, this page isn't really speaking to to me anymore and I will just not do it. So that has been really helpful for me like this past week or so. I love this concept. I think we've talked about this before, this like scrapbook snowball that you're creating. And it's, it's so effective to smart to start with something so small, and then just keep building that momentum. And then it becomes less intimidating to do that bigger thing that feels, you know, like too much when you're just sitting down. Well, and we do this all the time, I think, in the membership where you say, like, what are your three next steps? Yes, yes. And I think I got to the point where my steps were like, you know, work on Washington DC album, you know, not a practical single it. step. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I needed to like break it way down and, um, back to that science of well-being course. One thing they talked about was this idea of choice overload. And I've heard this before too, where if you have like too many choices, it's that whole analysis paralysis where you do like nothing. Um, so in this instance, I had multiple projects going on and I didn't really I would kind of work a little bit on one or another, but I think eliminating some of those choices and really narrowing it down helped me focus. So I was actually taking action because before I would just like, throw my hands up and walk out the door and not do anything. So this has been helpful. That's how I feel about my guest room right now. My, it's really sad that my most popular Instagram post of the year is probably going to be <laughs> a picture of my cluttered guest room. <laughs> but that is evident of your, of real life, right? I think people crave that. They don't, I mean, you can see it's a dime a dozen to see perfectly curated Christmas decor, Yeah, these gorgeous mantles. Well, 
we don't always live in that world. And if we do, it's for a very, very short period of time before your children come home from school. So, Well, yeah, my Christmas mantle looks very pretty downstairs, but my upstairs is a total uh, chaos. And I could probably use some stronger language to describe it, too, because... <laughs> Yeah, we're just like, you know, usually the guest room is where we're wrapping presents, but because there was like all this laundry in the guest room, I'm like wrapping presents on the, you know, on our master bedroom. And my husband's like, hey, could you like clean off my dresser? It looks like somebody like threw up all over it. And it's because there's like, you know, and I always make gift tags. So there's like, there's punches and stamps and cardstock and tape and markers and all of my stuff to make gift tags all over the dresser and then like wrapping paper and tape and everything just like you exploded s- all you over save our you have to save your gift tags I made gift tags like three years ago and I like after the family Christmas like I go around and I remove them from the wrapping so I just use the same ones you are so then, clever I do not do that <laughs> um maybe I'm lazy I like to call it efficient so do you tape them on the back then? Because I always just kind of like slap a tape over a corner of it. I made um, like actual tags with like a pole, like a punch in the top. And then I got twine like oh. I know, four years ago. Like I got, it was like two rolls of like 900 feet of twine. And I just make a little, so I like put twine and then I tape the twine part. Okay. And then if that gets raggedy, I just take that out. Or um, some years if I, we shift around who's getting what gifts I will repurpose the tag. So I basically cover up the back where it says it's like to my mom and then like put my kids' names on it. <laughs> that is, I mean, it's super clever. I've certainly repurposed a lot of gift tags over the years, especially ones like on gift bags. Um, but I've never like, I think I've never put enough into making them that I would really want to save them. I don't know. Like they're, these aren't fancy or anything. Um, I'm using some older stamps from... Elise Kripe where she had like hello and then like a little box below it and another one that says I love and a box below it and so I'm just like writing the person's name in those they're like not even very Christmassy oh, got it well a couple years ago I used all of my my leftover bits of my Christmas stash and I I did it in stages because apparently that's how my life works so I went through and like stamped a bunch of like cute little sentiments. And then I went through and another day either die cut or punched a bunch of just like circles and snowflakes and things that I thought I would use. And then I basically created like little, um, like clusters that I would place on the tag. So a lot of them are in my opinion, very pretty, but, and then it was a good use of all this like leftover bits. Like some of them were like, um, cardstock stickers or, just from these past December collections that I've used in my albums, but didn't really, I did, they didn't make it into the album and maybe they don't really coordinate with my current, what I'm using this year. So I just dug in and, um, eliminated a lot from my stash by making Christmas tags. Well, that, yeah, that just sounds like a great stash busting project. It's fun. And especially if you're going to like go into it with the idea that you're going to reuse these for a few years while they survive, then, yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. I may have to like excerpt this little part about Christmas and make it like a mini episode so we could share it before the holiday for people who are still doing their wrapping. Well, and I will say I did it like early in the season. I think usually if I wait until I'm wrapping, that was the other key. I would always try to make tags while I was wrapping. Well, then I didn't have patience for it. So I did yeah. them ahead of time. So then I had a bunch just ready to go. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So that was key. I don't have a ton of patience right now. I'm like, I need to get this no. done because... 
my child's going to come upstairs. Cause like I got yeah. to the point where I'm like, I need to wrap all of Emily's things because she's starting to like poke around and getting her nose in, into business where she doesn't belong. And I'm like, I just need to get all of her stuff wrapped so that it doesn't matter what else she sees. <laughs> well, and here's the deal. I don't really like to wrap gifts, yeah. which is odd because you would think it's all about like pretty paper, which is right up my alley. But it's always like you have to find the right size box or it's, I don't know. It just, I get frustrated, but it did help to have like good supplies. Like I used a lot of the, and we travel a lot for the holidays. So if I put on bows and things, they get crushed. So I went with like the twine and the pretty tags. I went to Hobby Lobby and got, um, like three rolls, the paper that looked cute together and like called it a day. So love it. Love it. Yeah. I get so frustrated with like wrapping paper that tears while you're trying to cut it. Like there's a, there's a balance between like, there can be like overly thick wrapping paper where it's like, I can't fold this. This is like, (laughs) this is very stiff. By the time you get the end, it's like grown the box by like an inch because it's all like layered up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So (laughs) what's exciting you? That was a tangent. It was. That's okay. Yeah. My thing that's exciting me, which I already told you about is my Panda planner. So I had, gosh, I've been talking about this for a couple of years now. Um, Our retreat, our first retreat over a year ago, uh, Natalie had hers. That's correct, right? And then you bought one after that. And so I saw yours at this past year's retreat and I touched it and I'm like, oh, it's so like buttery soft. And you were talking about how you liked the weekly over the daily. So I had printed out, as you suggested, like their, his little printable pages and tested it out for a week. Um, I, I tested out the weekly and there were a couple of days that were felt really overwhelming. So I, I tried some of the daily sheets as well. And I'm like, you know what? It, it's not like the sexiest planner that I've ever seen, but it is very functional. And the gratitude aspects of it, I think, are really beneficial. Even just almost right away, I started like waking up and noticing like what color is the sunrise this morning? And, you know, I'm very eager to like sit down and write those three things that I'm grateful for. And I've never been that successful with a gratitude practice because I always felt like I had to make it substantial and write more than just like two words. But this format is really working for me. And I think overall, I like the week at a glance in a way that I've not been able to in any other kind of planner because I've used a lot of weekly planners over the years. We have a whole episode just on that. But the way this one is set up for the first time, I really feel like I'm on top of what's coming up next. So I always send like an email like the day before I'm I'm doing a podcast interview with like a rundown of, you know, here's the time we're going to meet and where I'll call you. And, you know, here's all the things we're going to talk about. And I feel like I'm actually getting that done in advance. Um, so things that are more time sensitive, I am. I'm paying more attention to in ways that I haven't been able to in other planners. And I, I can't explain why, but it's really effective for me. And I will, of course, include this link in the show notes for it. And I'm excited about using this planner this year. Oh, I hope it continues to work well for you. Yeah. It's, yeah. I don't know. I think, I'm, go ahead. Well, a big thing for me is the whole idea of setting those daily priorities and doing so either like the night before or the morning of, because if left to my own devices, like if I don't have like an actual something that has a deadline, but say I want to work on wrapping Christmas gifts or whatever, if I don't decide that ahead of time, a lot of times by the time 
am actually in the moment, it's a lot easier just to sit around and like drink coffee and look on Instagram. So if I have, I've already decided this is what I'm going to do. Again, it's kind of back to that choice overload, right? It's eliminated those choices. Like I'm going to get this done as opposed to just like, yeah, I'll decide later. Yes. I mean, a hundred percent. Um, I've combined my priorities, like both like work and personal, especially this time of year. Like I am on top of the food situation right now. Like yesterday's had make a meal plan. Today's was like pick up the groceries. And then I have two days for food prep because we have parties Friday and Saturday. And like I I did the same thing last week because we had I think multiple parties that week too. And so I was ahead of the game. I wasn't like scrambling to try to find something to take to the party because I, you know, had that as a priority and I I knew I didn't want to have that be a stress in my life. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. No, it feels so good. Like, and I, you know, I know what we're bringing to the parties on Friday. I know what we're bringing on Saturday. And yeah. um, Also about the priorities, I'm, I think this, this, something about this helps you if you're a bit of an obliger because it, it's creating some sort of an external accountability, even if it's, I mean, it's still yourself, but if you wrote it in advance, you have this thing listed there that you said was a priority. So now I feel this compulsion that I need to cross that off. So I will do things that I don't really want to do because I wrote it in that priority box. <laughs> nice. Whatever it takes. Yes. So yeah, I'm excited about that. I can't wait for others to discover this as well. And yeah, I know there's, you know, there's certain days where I'm like, you know, I really want like a daily sheet where I'm like, Mm -hmm. I don't want to see the whole week. I need to focus on just today to like survive because there's so much going on. And yeah, there's other tools for that. But on a general weekly basis, I can see this being quite, quite handy. Cool. Yeah. All right, shifting gears here to our bucket list. And I will talk about this more on next week's episode, but we do have this brand new class coming next year called the Bucket List Project that kind of takes this idea of what are these stories that you really want to tell before you quote unquote kick the bucket or just what are these deeper stories that you want to make sure that are part of your scrapbooking. And we're going to do this like year long process where you make sure you're telling at least one of those stories every month. And then if you want, you can tell three stories that are maybe not as deep or meaningful as a way to keep riding that momentum to get more of your stories in general told. So as again, more of that on next week's episode, but we'll continue our trend here talking about what is one story on your bucket list, Kim? So this has been on my mind and I've not brought it to fruition, partly because I was trying to come up with how I want to format it, but it's the idea of somehow documenting the important well, it's important to me, stuff that is in our home. So I was thinking about this when I was visiting my parents over Thanksgiving. They have some pieces of furniture or decor that were once belonged to like my grandparents or that they had inherited. Um, and I have some of those pieces as well. And some of them are like, we have my grandma's Christmas village. So we pull those out yearly. And I think my kids realize, you know, that came from my grandma and it's very special and so forth. But I have other items as well that maybe aren't family heirlooms that are just special to me. Um, but I like the idea of passing along like the reasoning, like why they're special to me, because usually it's because they are associated with a memory of a person or a memory of an event or, um, an aspect of my personality or whatnot. But 
I kind of like the idea of passing along that information, excuse me. And then, you know, down the road when I do kick the bucket, um, like my kids at least have more of a informed decision about that item. So like I have my grandmother's bread bowl and I don't use it for cooking. It's more of a decor type crockery type item, but it's special to me. And in the future, instead of just thinking about this like random bowl that we have that's out displayed, it might be more meaningful to them if they know it came from my grandmother. So Uh I don't know. So I'm thinking like pockets would be a really good way to go about this. Like a photo of the item and then a journal card that kind of talks about why it's important to me. Um, But that's as far as I've gotten. Even those like uh, the Project Life mini books, I don't know how easy those are to come by these days, but I loved the the pairing of the three by four pocket with the four by six. It made it very simple. Okay, so I don't think I remember those. So were they they weren't like two three by fours and one four by six below? Were they like one four by six? It was one three by four and a four by six next to it, and then another one below okay. it. So what does that okay. make it? That makes it three nine by eight. Eight. Okay. Um, and so the book itself was a little bit bigger than that. I have a I can include a link on the blog I have of one of the projects I've done. Um, we did the book about our dog that had passed away in that format. Oh, and it's like a yeah. total, it's like a more like a traditional photo album. So it's all the pages were bound. It's not a ring binder. But it makes it a little bit smaller and more compact. Um, let me see. I wonder if. I know. Otherwise, I thought just like the six by eight albums. But then again, back in September, I was cleaning out the closet that is in like my craft room office area. And I came across a 12 by 12 binder that I had purchased last year as part of a, as a Christmas gift to my mom. I took her family photos and scanned them. And then I, instead of putting them back in their magnetic albums, I slipped them into pockets. So I had purchased I probably got three albums and I ended up only using two. So now I have this third album and I was like, well, I don't know what I'm going to do with this, especially as I'm wanting to evolve to more photo books. But I think I do want this to be like a physical project because I imagine adding to it through the years. So I might just use that 12 by 12 binder too. I love the idea of like something that you add to and don't feel that compelled to like, like like I can see maybe doing it a photo as a photo book, but that doesn't take into account that you're probably going to have more things over the years. Maybe it's even things that pass down from your parents that are are in their house now um, or things that you've even acquired, but it meant something to you because you bought it in a special place. So adding, having something that you can add to over the years really makes it more meaningful and more of a living album. Yeah, I think it would be cool. So these these mini, these Becky Higgins mini albums, they have one color left. It's pink on their website, but at least you could see it. Um, I will include the link to the um, blog post I did. I don't know if you can get them anywhere else on Amazon. We can check. But another idea is to do um, an 8x8 album because... And I, I think they still make these. We Are Memory Keepers made these pages that held two four by sixes, but then there was like a little paper strip that you could put down the side. Oh, so then it would still be kind of pretty. 
You yeah, could so you could like decorate yes. it a little bit, but then you could just do like one regular four by six photo and then yes. one journaling card, but in the four by six size. Yeah. And I think for a lot of these, I would have more information to say than that would maybe fit on a three by four card. So yeah. Or, or just to do this, I think you could, you can get six by eight pages too, that are just two four by sixes as well. Yeah. So Well, and then I thought for some of them, if I could always slip in like the full, like a full, like six by eight layout or an eight by eight layout of something that maybe right to just like break it up or so it's not just all pockets or if there's something that I really wanted to highlight that had a meaningful story behind it more beyond like I inherited this. I thought it was really cool. So it's special to me. So maybe there's something that's got more to say. Um, I could do those as layouts. Yeah, this is exciting. The stories of our stuff. I mean, that's that sounds like a fun project. Well, and then I think a lot of times people will talk about with decluttering and minimalism. Sometimes you can just take a photo of it and you have it. So if that bowl does break, well, yeah, I'll be disappointed. But at the same point in time, the story has been documented. So it might help with, I guess, the evolution as your things come and go through the years. Very true. Yeah. Wow. So many good thoughts here. Like, I think we could probably even do a whole episode just on like this, on these type of stuff stories. Because on one level, it can seem like, oh, that's just trivial. But on another, though, this is like deeply meaningful, particularly if maybe you don't like to have a lot of stuff, but you do like to have sentimental things around you or, um, yeah, no, super fascinating. So mine is is actually kind of similar, and mine is the story of our previous house and this house. So we moved across town, and I actually have the photos printed for this. So one, one photo of the old house, one photo of the new house. I have supplies already gathered from, like, an old kit, and it's all just, like, sitting there. And it's been sitting there for, like, three years. And I don't know – I don't know why I haven't done it, but I think – my current interest in hybrid will help because that eliminates any kind of like handwriting intimidation. I also think I probably just need to change the size. I have everything kind of pulled out as doing a 12 by 12 and I haven't really been making 12 by 12 layouts. So I think if I just go, go into it thinking I'm going to make an eight and a half by 11 or like a two page spread, then I think I can get this story told. So sometimes it just takes that little like reframe in your mind that this is you don't actually have the barriers you think you do or you can like break them down by creating a new plan even if you have this like in theory planned out well and I think it's kind of identifying why this hasn't happened yet so like what is holding you back and is that something you can change or is it just something you have to overcome I'm pretty sure it had something to do with I didn't feel like sitting down to write the story by hand, I could capture the meaning of it. But I feel like now that I can type that story and I can spend time on it if I desire and really get down what I need to get down about it. Um, And I think that's been that's just been what hybrid has done for me is opened up that that window to typed writing that comes so easily for me in a way that handwriting doesn't. Yeah, I can see that. I think that's the same for me as well. So that's why it works for me. Yeah. So this is going to be definitely a goal for very near term here. We've just reached five years in this house and it's time to like close the chapter on the move because, (laughs) you know, it's been a while. Well, and some of it, maybe it didn't feel as urgent because it was still a fresh, it was still fresh in your mind. Right. So yeah. it didn't feel like as, 
maybe as important of a story to capture because yeah, yeah, like I'll remember it. But now as time has gone on, that has changed. Well, and this actually would be a good page to try to do it, to add a QR code to because I have this video that I made of like a walkthrough of the old house. Um, and just, we watched it recently and it's just so sentimental to think all these things that we've already forgotten about the way the old house was. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited about telling the story. Cool. Okay. Into today's topic. So as we're doing on these episodes, we are kind of kicking off a new month while we're closing out the old one. So this past month was curating your photos month. Um, what is a takeaway you've observed or you had yourself um, during this month? So I have a couple of things. One, I just spoke of, I guess, earlier with your kind of why you haven't created your bucket list story is the idea of identifying the problem. I think sometimes something isn't working and we just need to take a pause and see like, why isn't it working or what are alternate solutions that we could use? I feel like members had comments related to, you know, like this isn't really working for me, but now I, I have a different plan of, I guess, of how to deal with whatever that issue was, whether it's like importing photos or, um, whatnot, but, um, or like how to get myself to print photos. So it's sometimes it's a matter of identifying what the problem is and then just experimenting with solutions to find what does work. Oh, for sure. Well, I know that like, you know, this month I've been thinking about printing, photos and getting them in frames. Like I've had a lot of empty frames and I found that I just, I need to stay in the habit of always printing something. Like if I'm in the habit, I know that, you know, my ink is stocked up. I know where the paper is. I like, I know all the settings I need to use, but if you haven't done it in a while, you kind of need, even if you know, you know how to do it in theory, you have to sit down and remind yourself, okay, how do I do this again? And how do I get it to look the way I want? But if you're always in the habit and you kind of don't leave it, it, it kind of eliminates that barrier uh, related to getting something done. In this case, printing photos to put in, to put in frames on our wall. Yeah. And I think that applies to any technological type task that you're doing, right? The more you do it, that becomes second nature, or like you said, you don't have to like refresh your memory every time, which brings ease. And if it's easy, then you're more apt to do it. Yep, exactly. I would also say, and this, I mean, comes up over and over again, but the idea that you can accomplish a lot in small bits of time. So one of the, you, from the photo refresh or photo crush, it was the idea of like, pick one of like three types of things to focus on. Um, and one of them was kind of keep up to date with your current photos and like how you handle them. And I had not, I ended up going back to like October to finish up some things and it ended up taking me, I did it in like three little small sessions over the course of like three evenings, but then it was done and then it was easy. So I think instead of thinking like, Oh, I've got to just take an hour and sit down and do this. Like, well, no, like why that casserole is in the oven, I can sit down for 10 minutes and, you know, get my photos imported. And then the next night, well, I don't know what's going on. I can go ahead and delete the ones that I don't want to keep. So it's just kind of a process. And just to remember that it is worth starting something, even if you have a small bit of time, because it keeps the momentum rolling, I think. 
Yeah, especially this time of year when it's it th- things like it seems like things are so busy and we have so much extra on our plates. I've really been trying to use the time when Emily is in the shower to work on December daily, and it doesn't mean I do it every night. But she loves she loves for me to be upstairs while she's showering, even though I'm just in another room. And so I come up and I just like fiddle around, and you know maybe I get a lot done, maybe I just get a little done. But I'm I'm here and I'm doing it, you know, just for that twenty minutes of time. Well, and maybe sometimes after that 20 minutes when she does get to bed, then you come back and keep keep working and some nights you don't. So No, no, that's exactly what happens cuz you know, some nights my husband puts her to bed, so she comes in and gives me a kiss and then she's gone and I'm in my office still. I'm on a roll because, you know, I thought I was just playing for 15 minutes and now I actually have time and I'm on a roll and I have that momentum to actually get something substantial done too. Yeah. Yep. And I think one final thing is just the idea of creating a deadline for yourself. So, you know, I was Gretchen Rubin, right? Like something that can be done at any time often is done at no time because there's no sense of urgency behind it. So if there's a task that you want to do, maybe set yourself a goal to say, you know, by this time next month, I will have made progress on this or I will finish this task. And I think, again, having some sort of deadline or urgency behind it will get you to work towards that task. Apparently I have a hard time getting stuff started. This is all these things have to do with why I'm not doing the things I want to do. But, uh, I think that is helpful. And that's the great thing about the community, right? Like we'll make these public declarations of, you know, this is what I'm going to work on this week or, you know, the next over this weekend. And then I can come back and it's, it's nice to be able to say, look, I followed through and this is what I've done. Well, you're certainly not alone in this problem of getting started. Uh, We recently did a poll of like, you know, which of these skills do you most want to develop this year? And the number one answer was creating consistently. Like people just want to be able to find ways that they can get started and get back into it because life is always going to take us away and distract us because (laughs) that's just the way things are. Um, But deadlines really help. That's why we do photo crush twice a year and stash bash twice a year inside the membership. So you have that time set aside to focus because I think sometimes we can even go so much the other way that we think that, oh, well, I haven't gotten organized in whatever sense in a while. So that needs to be my focus when I sit down. But if you know you have time set in the future, it gives yourself permission like, oh, no, I can wait. This mess can wait until the next dash bash and I can create right now instead. Or I know I have time set aside to work on my photos for the next photo crush. I can just keep working on that album right now instead. Yes, totally true. Yeah. How about you? What was your big takeaway? You know, this is just because this comes from observing our members and it's just not to give up on something that you want to try to figure out. Um, during photo crush, as you said, we had, we kind of had three tracks this session. You could just, you know, work on curating your photos, literally like let's just manage our photos, get them imported, get them organized, delete the, delete the ones we don't want, or you can create photo gifts, or you can actually go in and and start setting yourself up for the future and, and get your systems going with our photo crush classroom. And, you know, we have some members who've tried it a couple times and really kind of felt frustrated that they couldn't figure it out. But I love seeing that if you have persistence, you're willing to ask questions, you're willing to reach out for help and keep trying it again, watch different videos. Maybe maybe the way I explain it doesn't click for you, but the way someone else will. Now you know the words to Google, you know what you can look up on YouTube or whatnot and figure out 
okay, how do I do this? And how, what are the steps that I need to take? So if you just have that patience and that, that grace for yourself that you can learn anything, then I think you'll be able to find that success and, and to not let that become a block in your head. Well, I'm just, I can't figure this out. You can't, everybody can figure this out. You know, we've had, you know, um, great grandmas inside of our community figure out amazing things uh, because they had that patience. Well, and again, that comes back to like why the community is so valuable. Like you're not alone. And like you had said, like maybe the way that you do it or you presented it didn't click with somebody, but chances are there's somebody out there that has faced the same problem and you know they may have a different solution and maybe that will be the one that's the best fit for you. But definitely being able to ask questions and to be, and then I think it kind of goes back to identify the, identifying the problem is to like, what is causing me stress or, you know, at this point, then you can ask the questions to resolve that. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like really figuring out, okay, where is it that I'm getting stuck? Is it that I don't understand how to do A or is it, I don't understand how B works. Uh, And, you know, we had another question recently of, you know, one of our tips is to understand how your software works. If you're choosing to use software for your photos like Lightroom or Apple Photos or something else, you need to kind of understand what it's doing with your photos if it's if it's really doing anything at all. Um, and she asked, how do you figure this out? And I'm like, honestly, the easiest way is to ask us like, hey, I use Apple Photos. Can you explain to me how it treats my photos or what options I have for how it's handling my photos? Um, because if you don't know the right terminology to use, you know, in the sense it's like, you know, referenced versus managed libraries, if you don't know that terminology, you don't even know how to look it up. But we can explain that to you and give you new words to use so that you can understand how the software works and even ask stronger questions next time. So, yeah, just being able to also admit that what you don't know and, and knowing that someone else out there can kind of fill in some gaps for you. Well, and sometimes I don't, you don't know what you don't know, right? Like, like maybe someone doing like photo crush came across like software and they're like, well, I did not even know that existed. I think that that would be very helpful for me. So definitely it comes back to the community for me. I think every time. Oh, of course. Yeah. No, that's, I mean, there's just so much power, even, you know, even if we're not talking about our paid membership community, just on, you know, in Facebook comments and just being, being willing to show up to ask questions and receive and be open to receiving answers and, and feedback uh, is how we all learn and grow together. So true. All right. Now, yay, I'm so excited for January because it is Creative Habits Month. We could probably do Habits Month every single month because I think <laughs> this is so fun to talk about. And and I think so many of our community members understand that it's these little steps we take or sometimes don't take that really inform how we are having fun in our hobby, making progress and feeling productive and accomplished. So, so why do you think this is such an important theme to kick off the year? I think oftentimes, I think a lot of people feel that the beginning of the year is kind of an opportunity for a fresh start. So you always would prefer to start off on the right foot and to carry those habits throughout the whole year. Cause I think sometimes if you start feeling behind or feeling stressed, and it always seems like it's a scramble to get where you want to be. So I think it's really helpful to kind of start the year with 
kind of a feeling of I guess, intention about where you want to go. I agree. And I think that, and we'll get into some of what, what we consider creative habits, but some of these are so small in a way. Like it's not about saying like setting a goal, like I'm going to make a layout a day, which is a great goal. And I've seen some people do amazing things with that, even doing it year after year. But to have a really simple goal, such as like putting all of your supplies away after you make a page, that's a great habit that you can create that's triggered by the completion of a page. So you only do that habit when you've made something. Now you put everything away, but you don't need to think lofty and big, you know, in the same way that you might be approaching a personal wellness journey. You don't want to say like, I want to lose a hundred pounds. You want to say like, I want to change a habit to like drink water every day or, you know, count my, like the habit is counting my calories or, or whatever it is that you're doing on that journey. You know, you need to have that small step that is the real habit. Well, and we read last January James Clear's Atomic Habits, and I found that book very, very helpful because he talked a lot about the idea of, with any habit, to the idea of creating like a ritual around it, or a lot of times people refer to it as like pairing. So there's something that you associate with doing that thing. So say, you know, every Saturday morning you sit down with, you know, a hot beverage and you know, maybe usually you're just like checking out Instagram or social media or something. So maybe instead of that, you substitute the social media with scrapbooking or there's something that you pair together because then it becomes less effort. It takes less effort to follow through. I think that's the idea of you've decided once that this is right. Like with a habit, you decide once and then that's just what you do. Mm -hmm. And obviously every week or every day, that's not always going to, I mean, things change and you have to be somewhat flexible, but I think that's a good place to start is to have something that you can relate it to, I think. I don't know. What do you think? Well, I think it's it's also like the, really being clear that, that habits are these behaviors. They're small actions. They are often in response to something else. There's usually a trigger. And it's not – this isn't goal setting. It's a little bit different than that. Um, it's about – how you're living your life and how you show up to things on a daily basis. And I think that, that these, obviously these are, are paired, paired nicely together because the habits support your goals, but uh, there's a, it's that, that foundational step that you can't just like jump into the goal. You need to figure out what is that first small step that I need to take that's going to support and lead me towards it. Uh, and I absolutely 100% knew that you were going to mention that book because you've been talking about it all year. And I'm like, yes, as a lot of members have, it's just, you know, we've read a lot of things on habits over the years. And I think that's one that was the most, it was interesting. It was straightforward. It was very practical and tactical, like giving, giving you actual things that you can try and the, the science to back up why these things work. Well, and I also think, a lot of it wasn't new information. Like we've read other books that covered a lot of the same types of things. And he even referenced those books in his book. Yes. But it was, however, like you said, how it was presented in such an actionable way, I think it was really, really helpful. For sure. Yeah. Well, and one thing you talk about as far as like the habit of like putting things away, like if you can tie that to like you complete it on the opposite end of things, I think the idea of 
there's that French term, the mise en place, where it's usually related, I think, to cooking, mm-hmm. where you get out all of your ingredients and you're prepped and then you can just make the recipe. So I've heard that referred to like using that concept in different areas of your life. So like say I'm going to do my vacuuming. Well, before I say I have to vacuum four rooms, well, I'll move all the things that need to get off the rug or whatever, pick it up before I get to that room to vacuum. Cause then when I come back to do it, it's just easier to be done. So, or like if I'm doing some baking, like I'll fill the sink with like warm soapy water. So as I go, I can wash the dishes and not just end up with a giant stack in my sink, which sometimes happens. But you could also do the same type of thing with your creative time, right? Like a lot of times I will stamp, but I will not have, I have like a little, like a chamois cloth that I use to clean my stamps with, but it has to be wet. So if I have not prepped that ahead, then I will just leave the stamps on my table uh, sometimes for weeks until I get around to cleaning them and putting them away. But if I had taken, you know, the 60 seconds before I started a scrapbook to get that done, then I can fall through on it easier. So I think it's somewhat like preparing yourself when you sit down or stand up or however you scrapbook or want to do your creative habit to have all the things that you need in place. Then again, that helps you get into that flow. It makes the habit easier and then you're more apt to stick to it. So I just had like a huge aha moment as you were describing that because I definitely do this to get a page started. Like I always gather all my things first and lay them out and even sometimes let it sit there and marinate on the idea until I know kind of where I'm going so that the creative part I can jump right into. I kind of have like a mental picture, but I definitely don't do that for the end. And so that's so like you, sometimes my stamps can sit around mm-hmm. waiting to be cleaned And sometimes it only takes that one small step to get ready to actually complete that final step. Um, So maybe, you know, maybe like me, you're, you're, you're doing fine with kind of prep of your pages, but it's, you need some more help and some steps that you can take to be better prepared to finish things up. Or it could be related to like finishing up that journaling or getting your layouts in your albums. Like, let's say you're someone who photographs every page, like, You know, do you have all your equipment ready for that so that you can photograph the page when it's done? Whatever is going to take you through the whole cycle, are you ready for all of that? Yeah. And I don't always do it. But when I do, I'm always happy that I have. So I think one of the things that has really come to mind for me and, and a good way to start off the year is thinking about balance between capturing the moment and living it. Obviously, as scrapbookers, we love photos. We take lots of photos. And with our smartphones, we have the capability of taking hundreds, if not thousands of photos on any given adventure or trip. But I I think when you approach it from this mindset of I want it to both be in the moment as much as I am capturing it, it helps you actually put your phone down more which gives you fewer photos that you then have to manage. Um, and this can be hard for some people and and for others it's not. But if it is hard for you, I think that's something to think about and how can you find a little bit more balance so that you're not kind of creating a different problem for yourself and that's being able to manage and do something with all those photos later. Well, and also if you can be more in that moment and actually savor it, I think that can also translate to when you do make that scrapbook it can be a little more in depth and meaningful because you got more out of whatever that event or that moment was. Yes, for sure. So what are some other habits that we think 
kind of our, our really foundational. Um, we already talked about kind of, you know, some of these, I don't know, organizational logistical things. And that's why we do photo crush and stash bashes because all of these other tasks, we kind of, they feel like they're pulling us away. Like we want to feel organized, but it's more important to really do the creative thing first because that's what's going to help you feel accomplished. And then you can clean up later. And even every time you clean up, you can get a little bit more organized after that. Well, and you talk, you've talked a lot through the years about knowing when is the best time for you personally to scrapbook. Like, are you a night owl or is it morning time? Or, you know, how can you adjust your schedule to make that work better for you? So I am definitely much more of a morning person, but I often will think like, I need to do like, I need to do the housework first, or I need to like, go do my exercise. I need to do all these things before I sit down to create. But several times over the past I don't know, month or so I will have like a free day where, yeah, I just need to like, you know, get the groceries done and do some laundry or whatnot. But instead of doing those things first, I will sit down and create. And the kicker is sometimes I should really probably set a timer because the one day I spent all morning, it was like three hours and it was so rejuvenating because I still had time in the afternoon. I still managed to get, you know, get the bathroom cleaned and the floors vacuumed and my kids picked up from school. But if I had flipped those, if I had done my chores first, I don't think I would have spent the time in the afternoon. So Mm -hmm. I think a lot of it is identifying you want to make your habits as easy as possible for you personally. So some of it is knowing yourself and what works best for you. And I guess to have faith that some of those things, like eventually your clothes will get cleaned and you will probably, I mean, maybe you'll eat pizza tonight, but you know, you'll get the groceries done, but to make that creative time a priority as best as you can. And I know it depends on the season of life you're in and, you know, the actual season outside, um, depending on what you, you have for obligations. But that is definitely a thing for me as far as giving myself permission to do the creative thing first, because the other things, they always manage to fall into place. Yes. Maybe I should set a timer so I don't get carried away. Um, but at the same point in time, like sometimes it's nice to get carried away. Well, and I think maybe the kind of the underlying takeaway message we need here is that there's lots of options here. We've already discussed many of them. You will encounter many more as you're going into the new year is that you only can really build one habit at a time. And sometimes that focus is going to be your creativity and sometimes it might be another area of your life. Um you know, we've talked about, you know, the 21 days or even sometimes like even thinking of like, you know, I'm going to try one habit per month or even once I'm one successful with one habit, then I will pick up a new one. But if all the things we're discussing, kind of choose which one resonates the best and put that in the queue for when it's time to work on a new habit. It's, it's when you kind of overcommit yourself at the beginning of the year, it feels frustrating and then you feel like a failure and then you give up and, you know, you're kind of back at square one. But if you think about, okay, what is the one thing I'm working about now? Give yourself the time to master that or at least become, you know, uh, a practicing novice. And then once that feels more comfortable, add the next habit and keep building from there. I think that's really wise. Well, and another thing that um, James Clear will talk about is the idea that you must create a habit before it can be optimized. So yeah, maybe your goal is to go for a walk for 30 minutes, three times a week, but right now you can only walk around the block. So at some point you start somewhere that is 
that you can achieve that is attainable and then you build from there. So also kind of along the lines of pick one thing to focus on or one area to focus on is also to not, if you go in like guns blazing, thinking that I don't think that that, I don't think that will be a long-term solution and it oftentimes will be hard to maintain. So you kind of have to build that creative muscle or that habit muscle, I guess. Yeah. I mean, at, th- at this point, it's better to do a habit poorly than it is to make it perfect and to not beat yourself up about it. It's like, hey, like I'm showing up. Maybe all I'm doing, like I'm even if we're talking about wellness here, I'm showing up at the gym. I'm walking on the treadmill while watching YouTube videos for 15 minutes, but I showed up and I created that habit. Then you can start amping up, you know, the speed and the the incline or whatever to really get a good workout in. But the showing up is is, you know, often 75% of the battle here. So yes, yep, for sure. And the same goes with your creativity. Is if you're showing up and just moving things around. Like I am even with my December daily, some of the time that's going to turn into some actual productivity. And some of the time I'm just going to like be enjoying it and staying connected to my hobby through just the act of showing up. And that makes me excited to keep creating in the next session that I have. Well, and then also I think just being with your supplies and your photos and your stories your mind is working in the background. So even when you're not actually scrapbooking, say, you know, you're commuting to work in the background, your mind can be kind of processing or putting all those puzzle pieces together. So when you do sit down to scrapbook or follow through on that creative habit, then I think it comes more easily because you kind of, your brain has done some of the work before you already. Mm -hmm, For sure. So Kim, what's like kind of wrapping up this part of our conversation, what's one thing that has worked well for you personally in building creative habits? I think just the idea of starting small and to, you know, if I, especially with creative habits, going in and thinking I'm going to spend, you know, two hours on a project that maybe feels unattainable. But if I tell myself I can, you know, spend 15 minutes on a project, then Either sometimes I find I do have the time to work on it, or when I come back, then I already am the uh, the process is in motion, so it's easier for me to continue rather than to have to start from scratch. So I think that taking advantage of those small pockets of time and to always keep moving forward is very helpful for me. Oh, hundred percent, and I think we always try to encourage that, you know, throughout all of our activities inside the membership because it's not about perfection or getting everything done. It's just about the just the constant forward movement, one baby step at a time. For me, I think it's more about creating sources of accountability. As an obliger, I need that external accountability. Um, And so I love attending our open crop times. I just noticed that several more members created new times on our calendar for over the holiday break. So we're going to have a lot of members hanging out on Zoom, creating together, you know, sharing just time chatting about scrapbooking and crafty things and you know what's going on in our lives and I just I love that connection and how it not only helps me stay you know as we talked about forward moving in my hobby but just connected to the community and excited and engaged and it just it I I never regret um showing up to those for sure okay closing off here I want to just kind of introduce this new segment where we're going to share one thing that we're excited about at Simple Scrapper right now. And we did a little bit of this in last month's episode. We actually talked about kind of the whole year, but I want to focus this more on like one thing that's coming up at Simple Scrapper that you think is going to be fun. So what's yours, Kim? Well, January, January will bring refresh. And that is always like, I love the refresh events. They're some of my favorite 
events throughout the whole year. And then also in book club, we are going to discuss in January, Elise Blaha Kripe's Big Dreams Daily Joys book. And I have started reading it. And again, like the James Clear book where it, some of it isn't necessarily new information to me, but just how she's presenting it makes it seem so doable. So I'm really excited about that book. Yeah, I just got started as well. It is, it's very practical. And if you, if you followed her online, it's just very, um, I don't know, easy to read, very personable, um, you know, clever, a little bit humorous, and but just very practical um, underlying as well. And yeah, Refresh, always a favorite. We do that four times a year, once a season, and we'll be aligning some of the activities to that month's theme. And so we have seven days of prompts to really get you thinking about habits, how you're going to set up your, you know, creative life for the year and setting you on a good course for not only just the season ahead, but the entire year. So I'm really looking forward to this session. And then for me, I'm also really excited about something that's brand new. You heard that two weeks ago with our episode with uh, Crystal Livesey, and it is the photo editing study group. And that's one of the reasons I asked Crystal to do this for our community is because I want to improve my photo editing. And so that kicks off in early January. Uh, it's 16 weeks, but only eight lessons. So it's a really casual, gentle pace. So you can dive in, uh, build a new skill, practice it again and again before you move on to the next one. And I think it's by starting it in January, it really kind of gives you a, a way to focus that habit building. Like if you can just show up to a classroom, practice, implement, that will set you up not only to be a better photo editor, but a better, you know, class taker and, and you know, someone who just really follows through on the things that you start. So I'm really, really looking forward to that. Well, and I think if you are excited about those photos, you're excited to get those on scrapbook pages. So it just, you know, it goes, the, the momentum keeps moving forward again, where, right, it's the cycle of like, I took this class. I'm excited about these photos. I'm participating. And then those photos make you want a scrapbook. And it just, it's a cycle. Yes. It's a nice creative snowball there. It just builds on, on each last thing um, until you just, the, the ball is moving. And that's, you just need to keep chasing it down the path, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So next week, we'll have an interview with January's featured artist, um, Brianna Lepper. Uh, that's going to be super fun. She is so talented and I can't wait to introduce you to her and her My Way episode. And yeah, this, I can't believe um, we have already reached the point of 2020 and the close of not only a year, but a decade. Um, and I'm so looking forward to what we're doing at Simple Scrapper next year. I love this community. I love having these conversations on the podcast. They keep me personally engaged in the hobby and, and always wanting to create. And I can't wait to uh, kick off the new year. Me as well. Well, thank you, Kim. I always appreciate your time and everything you do to support our community inside of My Simple Scrapper. And to all of you listening out there, thank you for helping us uh, do a almost a full year here of Scrapbook Your Way episodes. We are getting close to episode 52. This is 49. So I just can't believe it's been almost a whole year of, of the podcast. And thank you again for listening. And remember that you have permission to scrapbook your way.